Part two, chapter three of the Pride of Yenico. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Sylvia M. B. in Washington State. The Pride of Yenico by Edgerton and Agnes Castle. Part two, chapter three. Captain Basil Yenico's memoir resumed three months later at Ferrandundane suffolk fourteenth april seventeen seventy two i had thought upon that day when in my ill temper i irreparably insulted my wife that i could never bring myself to face the exposure which a return to england would necessarily bring about but when i found the desolation and the haunting memories of tollendal like to rob me of all i had left of reason and manliness when to my restless spirit the thought of home seemed to promise some chance of diversion and relief i did not hesitate without delay i set to work to put matters at tollendal upon a sufficiently regular scale also to have realized and transferred to my london bankers a sum of money large enough to meet any reasonable demand this business accomplished in less than a month from the date of the ill-fated rothenburg expedition i found myself breathing my native air again before my departure i charged schultz and i know i can rely upon his faithfulness to be perpetually on the lookout for any communication from Lositz, and to be ready to give any one immediate cognizance of my whereabouts. It is a forlorn hope. Although the humor had come upon me to go back to my own land, after the fashion, I fancy, that a sick man deems he will be better anywhere than where he is. And although I did not hesitate to gratify that humor, I was nevertheless not blind to the peculiar position I must occupy among my people i had no desire to lay claim to the honours i had so prematurely announced no desire to present myself under false colours even were such an imposture likely to succeed but neither did i see why i should lay bare to the jeers of the fashionable world to the sneers of dear relatives and friends or more intolerable still to their compassion the whole pitiful plot of that comedy which has turned to such tragedy for me so when i wrote to my mother to announce my arrival i adopted a purposely evasive tone it is deeply unfortunate i wrote that you should have broken the bond of secrecy which i enjoined upon you when i informed you of my intended marriage you know too much of the world my dear mother not to understand that when a commoner like myself however well born and dowered would contract an alliance with the heiress of a reigning house it is more than likely that there may be a slip twixt the cup and the lip my cup has been spilt i come home a broken-hearted man to find myself i fear owing to your breach of confidence the laughing-stock of our society but the yearning for home is too strong upon me to be resisted i am returning to england at once if you would not add yet more to the bitterness of my lot you will strenuously deny the report you indiscreetly spread and warn curiosity-mongers from daring to probe a wound which i could not bear even your hand to touch these words by which i intended to spare myself at least the humiliation of personal explanation have produced an unexpected effect my poor mother performed her task so well that i find myself quite as much the hero of the hour over here as if i had brought back my exalted bride the mystery in which i am shrouded the obvious melancholy of my demeanour the very indifference with which i receive all notice added of course to my wealth and possibly to the belief that i am still a prize in the matrimonial market my extraordinary luck at cards when i can be induced to play 
my carelessness to loss or gain all this has placed me upon a pinnacle which is as gratifying to my mother as or so i hear for i have declined all reconciliation with the renegade it is galling to my brother and his family but the best yet so far as i am concerned is that no one has dared to put to me an indiscreet question and that even my mother although her wistful eyes implore my confidence respects my silence now having tried in vain to find a solace in the pleasures of the town i have betaken myself to that part of the island which is the cradle of our race to try whether a taste of good old english sport may not revive some interest in my life often in that last month at toledal when the whole land was locked in ice and the grey sky looked down piteously upon the white earth day by day with never a change and scarcely a shadow i thought of the green winters of my youth in the old country of rousing gallops with the west wind in my face across wide fields all verdant still and homely of honest english faces english voices the tongue of the hounds the blast of the cracked horn with almost a passion of desire it seemed to me that if i could be back in the midst of it all again i might feel as the boy basil had felt and be rid were it but for the space of a good cross-country run of that present basil yenico whose brain was so weary of working upon the same useless round whose heart was so sore within him so soon therefore as the weather broke for the winter has been hard even in this milder climate i accepted my mother's offer of her dower house set up a goodly stable of hunters and established myself at the manor of faring dundane i have actually derived some satisfaction from a couple of days sport to which a sight of my lord brother's discomfiture each time i caught him deliberately in the face of the whole field has added perhaps a grain april twenty ninth i am this day like the man in the gospel who having driven out the devil from his heart and swept and garnished it finds himself presently possessed of seven devils worse than the first the demon of wrath i had exercised i believe long ago the fiend of unrest and longing i had thought these days to have laid to in spite of her too obdurate resentment i had no feeling for my wife wherever she might be but tenderness now o utterly utterly do i most hate thee or love thee i know not by my soul yet this at least i do know mine thou art and mine thou shalt remain though we never meet again on earth mine as i am thine though the true good race of yenico wither and die on my barren stock but even what serves it to rant in this fashion to myself when i have not even the satisfaction of hearing a contradiction not even an excuse to shake my fury small satisfaction likewise has that pulling mincing messenger to carry back to you my wife poor old man i am fain to laugh even in my anger when i recall his panic-stricken countenance of an hour ago the hounds were to meet at ten this morning at sir percy spaulding's not three miles from here and so i was taking the day easy i had but just finished breakfast and was standing on the steps of the porch quaffing a draught of ale as i awaited my horse sniffing the while the moist southern wind and my thoughts for once were pleasantly occupied for once the gnawing canker was at rest within me presently my attention was awakened by the rumbling sound of wheels and looking towards the avenue yet so sparsely believed as to afford a clear view down its whole length i saw coming along it at slow pace a heavy vehicle which in time disclosed itself as a shabby hired travelling chaise drawn by an ancient horse and driven by that drunken scoundrel bateman from yarmouth once a familiar figure to my childish eyes my heart leaped 
i expected no one my mother was at cheltenham for the waters no one save indeed her whom i ever unconsciously await it was perhaps the unreasonable disappointment that fell upon me when gazing eagerly for a glimpse of the occupant as the carriage lumbered through the inner gate i saw that it contained but the single figure of an old man huddled despite the spring warmth of the day in furs to the very chin that turned me into so bitter and black a temper even as the chaise drove up before the steps and as i stood staring down at it motionless although within me there was turmoil enough the fellows came round with my horses bess the irish mare took umbrage at the little grotesque figure that with an alertness one would scarcely have given it credit for skipped from the chase looking more like one of those images i have seen on saxon clocks than anything human how she plunged and how the fool that held her stared and how i cursed him for not minding his business it was a vast relief to my feelings and how the old gentleman regarded us as newly come among the savages and how he finally advanced upon me mincing i laugh again to think back upon it but i had no mind to laughter then twas plain before he opened his mouth to speak that my visitor hailed from foreign parts and at closer acquaintance the reason why even from a distance he had appeared to me as something less than human became evident his countenance was shrivelled and seared by recent smallpox scarred in a manner perfectly fantastic to behold that curse of my life that persistent hope i believe i could get along well enough but tis the hope that kills me began to stir within me have i the honour of speaking to captain basil dugenical said the puppet in french and before the question was well out of his mouth i had capped it with another breathless come you not from rothenburg he bowed and scraped each saw he had his answer i was all civility now heaven help me and cordial enough to make up for a more discourteous reception i ordered my horses back to the stables dismissed the chase in spite of the newcomer's protestations and led him within the house calling for refreshments for him all the while a thousand questions to which i yet dreaded the answers burning on my tongue i had installed him in the deepest armchair in the apartment i habitually used i had kindled a fire with my own hands for he was shivering in his furs whether from fear embarrassment or cold i know not maybe all three together i had placed a glass of wine at his elbow which he sipped nervously when i pressed him and then when i knew that i should hear what had brought him from very cowardliness i was mute it seemed to me as if my courtesies embarrassed him and that this augured ill although i reasoned with myself if she should send me a messenger at all i ought to anticipate good tidings i am fortunate sir began the old man in quavering tones to find you at home sir i have come a long way to seek you i went first to your castle at tollendal where your steward a countryman of my own to whose politeness i am much indebted gave me very careful instructions as to the road to your english domicile a most worthy and amiable person i should not so soon have had the advantage of making your acquaintance had it not been for the help he gave me i have come by yarmouth sir the wind was all in our favour i am informed we had a good passage here he shivered and yet a greener shade underspread the scars upon his brow but i am not accustomed to the sea and i have been ill sir lately very ill he coughed awkwardly reached out his trembling hand for the wine but put down the glass again untasted surely i am right in believing said i that you come from some one very dear to me from one from whom i am parted by a series of unfortunate misunderstandings i felt my lips grow cold as i spoke and i know that i panted if you have a letter 
said I. Give it to me. I reached out my hand and saw, with a strange sort of self-pity, that it shook no less than had the old man's withered claw. Or if you have a message, cried I, breaking out at last, speak, for God's sake. He drew back from my impetuosity. There was fear of me in his eye, at the same time I thought with a chill about my heart, compassion. My good sir, he said, between ums and ahs, which well nigh drove me distracted. I believe I may say, in fact I will venture to assert, that I have come from the <coughs> young lady I apprehend to speak of. I have been made aware of the <coughs> unfortunate circumstances. The young lady, here he hitched himself up in his chair and began to fumble in the skirts of his floating coat. Between his furs and his feebleness, this was a sufficiently lengthy operation to give time for my hopes to kindle stronger again and my small stock of patience to fail. You are doubtless prepared to hear, he went on at length, that the young lady, being now fully alive to the consequence of her her ill-considered conduct, a girlish freak's or a child's, I may say, believes that she will be meeting your wishes, nay, your expressed desire, by joining with you in an application to his holiness for the immediate annulment of so irregular a marriage. What? cried I with a roar, leaping from my chair. So occupied had I been in watching the movements of his hands as he fingered a great pocket-book, expecting him every instant to produce a letter from her to me, that I have scarce heeded the drift of his babble till the last word struck upon my ear. Annul our marriage, I thundered, at my desire. In the devil's name, who are you and whence come you? For it could not be my wife who has sent you with such a message to me. The little man had jumped, too, at my violence, like a grasshopper, but my question evidently touched his pride in a sensitive quarter, and roused him to a sense of offence in which he forgot his tremors. "'Truly, sir, truly, you remind me,' he said tartly, "'if you will have but a little patience. I was in the very act of seeking my credentials when you so <coughs> impetuously interrupted me.' As he spoke with a skip and a bow, which recalled I know not what vague memory of a bygone merry hour, he drew forth a folded sheet, and, unfolding it, presented it to me. I knew the handwriting too well to doubt its authenticity. How often had I conned and kissed the few poor lines she had ever written to me, I, although they had been penned in her assumed character. To Monsieur de Yenico, I empower Monsieur de Schreckendorf to act for me in the affair Monsieur de Yenico wots of, and I agree beforehand to all his arrangements, thereto the signature not a word more not a word of regret even of anger the same implacable unbending resentment i stood staring at the lines reading them and re-reading them and each letter seemed to print itself like fire upon my soul i heard as in a dream my visitor pour forth further explanations still in that tone of injury my roughness had evoked i am myself sir a friend yes i may say a friend an old friend of the young lady her parents <laughs> have always reposed confidence in me. I, sir, am Monsieur de Schreckendorf. The very fact, I should think, of my being in possession of this letter, of this document, here there was a great rattling of stiff parchment, will assure you, I should hope, of my identity. Nevertheless, if you wish further proof, I have a letter to our ambassador in London, and I am willing to accompany you to his house, or meet you there at your convenience. Indeed, it would perhaps be more proper and correct in every way 
that the whole matter should be settled in the documents duly attested at the residence of the accredited representative of lusatia i will not disguise to you that his serene highness the duke himself takes takes an interest in the lady and is desirous of having this business which so nearly affects the welfare and credit of a well-known member of his court settled in the promptest and most efficacious manner a sad escapade you must admit yourself and all the while my heart was crying out within me in an agony oh ottilie how could you how could you was the memory of those days nothing to you is the knowledge of my love and sorrow nothing to you are you a woman and have you no forgiveness taking perhaps my silence for acquiescence for this messenger of my wife albeit entrusted with so delicate a mission was no shrewd diplomatist Monsieur de schreckendorf here spread out with an agreeable flourish an amazing-looking latin document with rubrics ready filled up it seemed but for certain spaces left blank for the names i suppose of the appealing parties i have been led to understand pursued he then in tones of greatly increased confidence that you entirely concur in the lady's desire for the annulment of this contestable union the actual legality of which indeed is too doubtful to be worth discussing from the religious point of view however one of chief importance to my young friend i think i may call her so the matter is otherwise serious for there was no doubt a sacrament administered by a priest duly ordained but unfortunately through old age and natural infirmity wanting in due prudence and further misled as to the identity of one of the contracting persons a sacrament sir there undoubtedly was but i am glad to inform you that special leading divines have been already approached upon the subject and they give good hope sir good hope that a properly drawn-up petition supported by the signatures of the two persons concerned will meet at rome with most favourable consideration the ecclesiastical part of the difficulty once settled the legal one goes of itself i was gradually becoming attentive to the run of his glib speech i hardly know how i contained myself so far but i kept a rigid silence for yet another minute or two gave him all my ear such being the case he continued i need hardly trouble you to disturb yourself by journeying all the way to london we need proceed no further than yarmouth indeed and there in the presence of two competent witnesses i would suggest a priest of our religion and some neighbouring gentleman of substance all you will have to do is just sign this document i repeat i understand that you are naturally anxious likewise to be delivered from a marriage in which you have considered yourself aggrieved and not unnaturally here the little monster threw a sly look at me and added you were made the victim of a little deception eh then in the course of a few months rome is always slow you know you will both be as free as air with no more loss to either of you than the loss of a a little inexperience as free as air utterly as free as air then it was that the violence of my wrath overflowed that moment is a blank to my memory i only know that i heard the sound of my own voice ringing with shattering violence in the room and i came to myself again to find that with a strength my fury alone could have lent i was shredding the tough parchment between my fingers so that the ground was strewn with its rags what most restored me to something like composure was the abject terror of the unlucky messenger who huddled away from me in a corner of the room was peeping round a chair at me much as you might see a monkey caught in mischief his teeth were chattering 
good anger was wasted on so miserable an object and indeed the feelings that swayed me had had roots in ground such as he could never tread upon come out monsieur de schreckendorf i said with a calmness which surprised myself but there are times when a man's courage rises with the very magnitude of a calamity you have nothing to fear from me you will want an answer to carry back to her that sent you take her this i stooped as i spoke and gathered together the shreds of the document folded them in a great sheet of paper and tied it with ribbon into a neat parcel not a word i went on i will hear no more when you have rested and partaken of refreshment one of my carriages will be at your disposal for whatever point you may desire to reach to-day stay you will want some evidence to show that you have fulfilled your embassy sitting down to my writing-table i hastily addressed the packet to madame basil de Genicourt adding thereafter her distinctive title as maid of honour this done i sealed it with my great seal monsieur de schreckendorf meanwhile uttering uncouth little groans here sir said i holding out the packet with its bold inscription they will no longer as evident deny the existence at the court of lusatia of the person i have here addressed here sir take this to my wife and tell her that her husband has more respect than she has for the holy sacrament he received with her here sir at every here sir i advanced a step upon him holding out the bundle and at every step i took he retreated till impatiently i flung it on the table nearest him and making him a low ironical bow of farewell turned to leave him i paused a moment on the threshold of the room however and had the satisfaction of seeing him after throwing his hands heavenwards as if in despairing protest bring them down again on the packet and proceed to stuff it into the recesses of his coat i turned once more to go when to my surprise he called after me in tones unexpectedly stern and loud young man young man this is a grave mistake have a care i shrugged my shoulders and slammed the door upon his warning cry nor though he subsequently sent twice by my servants first to demand then to supplicate a further interview would i consent to parley with him again i passed a couple of restless hours until at length from an upper window i saw him depart from my house in far greater state and comfort than he had come now as i write i know that he is being whirled along the yarmouth road at the best pace of my fine horses speeding back to lositz to take my wife my eloquent answer end of part two chapter three